it's it's you have psychological safety. C- can you disagree with your manager and sort of not get in trouble? Can you have candid conversations? Do you get enough feedback about how well you're doing in your job, either sort of positive or constructive feedback? Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Mentors. Today we have on Santiago Armilio, the CEO and co-founder of Amplify. Amplify is a company on a mission. They strengthen the employee engagement and the culture of other businesses. And in the business world, in the leadership world, culture is everything. Engagement with your workers is everything. And in this episode, we're going to learn all about that. Guys, I can't wait. I hope you enjoy. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Mentors. Today, we have uh, Santiago Emilio. That's right on and I am so excited to have him on because he is a fantastic guest. I just looked into some of the things he's been doing. Um, previously, he's been in Inc. as uh, 30 Under 30, world's coolest entrepreneurs. He's gone to the White House under the Obama administration for uh, Champions for Change. And he's done, you know, he's a serial entrepreneur. He has multiple companies he's started up. And right now I'm with him at Amplify. Thank you so much for having for coming onto my channel. Absolutely, I'm happy to happy to be on it, and uh, really excited uh, to catch some of the latest podcast episodes. Thank you, thank you. So, uh, can you please tell me a little bit about Amplify and uh, employee engagement and mobile engagement? Sure. Yeah. So at Amplify, we're on a mission to improve the lives of 1 million people through more meaningful work. The reality is that 70% of Americans go to work and they're really disengaged. That means that they don't like what they're doing, um, who they're doing it with, where they're doing it at. And, and, and the reality is we spend half of our lives working. Uh, when you sort of, after you graduate and, and kind of end school and you enter the workplace, you spend a third of your life sleeping, basically, most of us do, right? <laughs> a third doing everything else and then a third of it being work. And so work is this huge part of our lives and, and what we believe is that work can actually be engaging it can be motivating it can be fulfilling it can be mind expanding it can be energizing it can be this place that you look forward to going to because you get to do great work with good people have mastery and autonomy over your craft and and really uh, for work to not just be something that you do to get to the weekend but rather as an integrated part of life that is is, is part of why your life is wonderful and meaningful and fulfilling is because you get to work and use these talent and skills and so uh, today though lots of folks are disengaged and so what we want to do is we want to help change that how we're doing that is we notice that most leaders and companies who are really a lot of the ones that are making the decisions around what type of a work environment they have whether it's a really awesome one and an engaging one or a really uh, or one that really disengages folks and, and makes people miserable th- those leaders are seeking greater clarity in how to make decisions how do they know what their team needs most to be more engaged how do they know what the next best or most important thing that they could do um, to improve the life of, of an employee by creating a more engaging environment so that our software essentially goes in and gets employee participation, does a survey on a quarterly basis, and then really tees up for leaders simple, trustworthy, and actionable employee engagement insights that help them know where to focus their time and effort to yield the most um, engagement um, increase so that they can um, uh, be able to create a more engaging environment. So that's what, that's what we're doing yeah, at Amplify. Yeah, that sounds wonderful. So when you're talking about an engaging environment, do you mean like, Oh, I'm not really into my work. I don't really want to work here. Or is it like 
I'm having trouble communicating with my with my other coworkers. I don't want to really talk to my boss. I'm a little afraid of him. What are all the components of uh, having an engaging environment? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. So our, through our research, we found uh, really 17 factors. There, there's three psychological conditions and 14 drivers of employee engagement in our model that we found um, through the research that we've done around what creates an engaging environment, what creates employee engagement. Um, it, it's, it's all of the things that you mentioned. It is some things about company leadership, uh, things like the authenticity of leadership, whether you believe that leaders are honest and kind of real with employees. It can be things like purpose. Do, do I believe that the company exists for something more than just making money, but it's making some sort of positive difference in the world? Um, it, it could be fairness or leaders make, making sort of fair and just decisions in the way that they treat employees. And so you know, all of those are factors kind of at the leadership level. But it's not just leadership level. It's actually your your manager is is another sort of um, factor in engagement. And so it's 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 you have psychological safety. C- can you disagree with your manager and sort of not get in trouble? Can you have candid conversations? Do you get enough feedback about how well you're doing in your job, either sort of positive or constructive feedback? Um, so so we talked about kind of leadership at the highest level. Your your direct manager has a huge uh, influence on on a person's engagement, and of course peers, right? In the environments, do people have shared values? Do I have somebody, friendship is another driver of engagement. Do I have somebody at work that I can talk to about a personal topic? All of these things um, sort of form this this engaging environment, this employee engagement. And we define employee engagement as the emotional and intellectual connection that a person has with their work and with their employer. And so as you can imagine, that's like trying to measure love. It's just sort of this like really complex psychological condition. And so there's really, we look at 17 factors to be able to sort of assess that and really help leaders understand which one of those moving, which one of these 17 is, which one of these 17 is the thing that my team needs most this quarter. That's so cool. So is it, these are, I feel like, are these all root? problems because you know sometimes you'll have like overlying symptoms right mm-hmm. and you have to dig down to the root what do you mm-hmm. see like as a lot of the roots of the problems is it the leadership level is it management level or is it like peer level yeah and so it really it varies sort of across the board by industry um you know we see uh, sometimes uh, some of our research has uncovered that millennials for example as a generation um uh, they, they desire greater amounts of purpose in their work than maybe other generations so i think every generation is moving more toward that but but millennials seem to sort of um, have gotten there faster in terms of their, their value that they put toward the company purpose. And so, um, for example, for millennials, it might be that. Um, sometimes um, for other types of organizations, for example, um, organizations that have field workers or a construction person out on the field that never talks to, to leadership, they might have an authenticity problem because they've literally never had seen the company leadership in person you know because they, they're you know the company headquarters is in Indianapolis and they're in Oklahoma doing work and so when you ask them do you think that leaders in this company are are, are authentic and real they're like I've never met them I've never heard from them and so I don't think that they're authentic because they don't take the time to get to know me and, and, and hear from them so it really varies kind of across uh, organizations and many times what we find is disengagement is the root problem and what leaders are experiencing is really heavy turnover or really bad productivity uh, or absenteeism where, where people don't show up to work those are the symptoms and then engagement would be kind of the, the root problem many times oh so you're yeah. hitting the root already yeah 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 I, I love that so I never really even thought about the perspective thing of like because I've always thought it in a company setting right mm-hmm. you, you know your boss is always in the in another room yeah but when people are far away I never thought about that yeah and that's actually kind of our, our, our focus our niche uh, is a, a lot of other sort of employee engagement insights or measurement companies are are going after uh, companies with you know white collar workers in office environments and uh, we think there's a really interesting problem to solve around um, 
those field-based folks uh, that are working with their hands, um, that are skilled laborers and, and aren't in the office but are out in, in the field, um, you know, construction site or somebody's home fixing their plumbing, um, those are really interesting problems to solve because it's, they're hard to reach since they're not at the office and not in front of a computer and, and many times don't have like an email address from, from the company to be able to send a survey to them and get their feedback. Yes. How do you have you ever tackled a problem like that? And if so, like, what has been a good way of solving it? Sure. And so we immediately had to deliver. We realized that um, uh, for for some folks like that, they didn't have a corporate email address, and they just necessarily didn't check email that much. But what they did have was their smartphone. They carried their smartphone everywhere. And so we figured out that if we built a, a, a text message delivery system for the survey, that they would actually take it. To, you know, so they, they would go back to their truck and you know get a text message from Amplify, and they would hit the link, and inside of their sort of smartphone browser in a mobile optimized way, they could fill the survey out. And before, they they would literally either not ever get surveyed, or it would get sent to their email that they don't check, um, or they would literally have to be mailed a paper survey, fill it out with like pen and pen or pencil, and then mail it back somewhere. And so participation rates were dismal, and they had fears that their handwriting, it could sort of, um, they could be identified uh, through that. Because obviously one really important part of this is making sure that the, so that the data is valid, employees have to answer the survey honestly on how they're really doing. But um, if they don't believe their responses are truly anonymous or confidential, they're not going to answer honestly because they, they they sometimes feel like they have a lot more to lose and they have to gain by filling the survey out. Yeah, and I think that's one of the the worst parts of workplaces is that when you, uh, well, you know Simon Sinek? Mm-hmm. So the, the circle of safety, yep. when that's violated internally mm-hmm. because, you know, you'll have the outside forces of, of anything else, not just the world in general, but when mm-hmm. it comes to be internal of like, my boss might fire me if mm-hmm. I speak my own mind. Mm-hmm. That seems like such a root issue. It is. And like, and that has to do so much with like the personality of the company, the personality of the brand. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you go about changing the leaders, or how do you go about going? You know, your your employees they need this in mm-hmm. order to feel safe. Yeah. How do you get that perspective to shift from from either like income or from money to people? Sure, that's a fantastic question. So the historically, what's happened is that that employee goes to HR. And then HR, human resources, then goes to potentially maybe goes to that leader if it even gets this far. Uh, and then they're like, they tell the leader, hey, you know, some, your team is feeling like they can't be sort of psychologically safe and they can't disagree with you, et cetera, et cetera. And then the manager is like, that's a bunch of fluffy, subjective feeling stuff. Like, get out of here with that. I have a job to do is many times the response. So maybe, maybe, that, maybe that wasn't so effective. Um, uh, a lot of the times... The employee doesn't even have a channel by which to sort of express their their fear of psychological safety because by definition it's psychological safety so they don't want to tell anybody because they're afraid they might get in trouble right um, and so for us it's been providing the employee a, a tested tried and true proven uh, anonymous and confidential vehicle by which to be honest about their fear and then number two making sure that leaders understand that the data that we're showing them is trustworthy like it's credible we did our work around the science and the academics of how we're measuring it and so this is data that you can't argue with and so when we present a leader data that they can't argue with that is trustworthy around how their leadership the effect that it's causing is low psychological safety in their team and by the way that's way lower than compared to other managers that that all of a sudden gets personal for the leader because now it's data they can't ignore it's like putting a mirror in front of them or a cold splash of water to the face it kind of wakes you up because it, you know leaders and, and managers um, 
data is, is really how is trustworthy data uh, showing them that then they have a pro then they know that they have a problem and if they don't even know that they have a problem then then you know there's there's very little uh, chance that they're actually going to do anything to sort of to fix it yeah and it seems like when they don't know it's a problem I feel like it's because they're much more of like a bigger company much more vast so how do you go about um, having those big companies those big leaders on top those CEOs and go you know, your employees need help. You go, well, I have thousands of employees. Mm -hmm. And I mean, does it have to trickle down to each, to the managers? Or is it something that you can change at the top that'll help trickle down to the bottom? Yeah, great question. So I think uh, there, there's a couple, so the, the quick answer is we give managers a login to see their own team. And so instead of just the CEO having access to this, it's every manager can see their own team and their engagement. The way that we make sure that it's anonymous and confidential is we never show uh, scores for a group with less than five respondents. So that that way the manager can kind of dig and zoom in into their team, but not ever tie somebody's identity with their responses, right? Which is what we never want to do uh, mm -hmm. and we never allow. Um, and so, so we, you're right. We do go all the way deep into an organization. I think our largest organization is um, we like... Um, 3,500 uh, or so employees. Uh, that's kind of an outlier though. And so um, in that one, you know, there's there's one sort of president and then there's 18 chancellors. This is a, a university um, for, for different regions of the state. Um, and so each of those chancellors have access to their own region and, and those sub-managers have access to their own region. And so, um, you know, the CEO can see the roll-up of the whole thing, but the manager can then go really granular in their team. The consistency of this, ta of the tactical nature of this is so cool to me. You've really like thought everything through to make sure it's anonymous and everyone's safe and you know, you can't, it makes sure that everyone is really comfortable in answering for honest feedback. That's so, like that thought process, how much, how long did it take you to get through that process? Process. Thank you. Uh, all the credit goes to super smart people that work at Amplify, uh, really. Um, and so this is, um, you know, this is Todd Richardson, Brian Deo, and uh, Megan McNames, our entire product and engineering team, our customer success team led by Joseph, uh, that really have listened to employees about what they need to feel safe answering, have listened to leaders about what type of data they need that, that, that is going to be trustworthy and actionable for them, and they've kind of created a solution based on customer feedback and, and sort of knowledge about what they need. And so they, we just really thoughtfully have asked our prospects, our market, and our customers um, really what they value and, and how we unlock that, and we've sort of only built the things that they have shared with us are, are really true from a first principles type level. So so wait, so these processes that you go mm -hmm. through, like big or small companies, how long does it take? Because I know that like, you know, building trust in a relationship of any kind or mm -hmm. building like, you know, that love or that friendliness takes like months or years. Yeah. So like how long do you have to work with a company? Yeah. So, so it depends on the problem they're trying to solve. So some problems are super easy. They're kind of low hanging fruit and you make one little change and all of a sudden people's lives get a lot easier. <laughs> so for example, um, you know, there was a, um, a welding team down in Alabama for a company called TH Marine and they were the lowest team in terms of engagement, super disengaged. And they figured out that utilization driver was the lowest, which is like this company's using my skills and abilities in a way that makes sense. Um, and so they dug into that through, through our software and they found out that um, they needed to buy a forklift and a leveling table because these welders, instead of doing welding work, which is what they love doing, they were picking up heavy metal sheets all day, moving them from one place to another, and, and they had back aches, and it was super ineffective, and they were doing kind of work that minimum wage labor or a robot could do instead of doing like really skilled welding. So the company literally just invested 60 grand into a forklift and a leveling table like a month after. 
next quarter they measured and that team went from the lowest engaged team to the second highest engaged team, second only to the leadership team, and their productivity went up 30%. They can now with the same team produce $3.6 million more of product. And so for that one, that was like 60 days, buy two pieces of equipment and all of a sudden engagement is significantly improved. So that's kind of an extreme example of like low hanging fruit, you can do one thing and really make a huge difference. There's other things like um, like purpose where maybe a company doesn't have a noble purpose. Maybe for a while it's just all been about making money and making profit and there's no um, sort of a, a lot of attention being put toward, well, how does what we really do? Yes, we get it that obviously making money is, is important and, and a way to sustain the business and, and have a healthy, um, sort of healthy and, and, and well um, being of a company, but, but also people are now looking for sort of the company to do something better. For a leadership team and, and owners and founders to go through a process of discovering the purpose and articulating it in a compelling and authentic way and then sharing that with employees, that's probably gonna take more than three months, right? That may take six or nine months or, or a trust issue, right? Maybe trust was broken at some point and it takes months or quarters of like consistent, trustworthy behavior to get that back. And so um, depending on the problem, it ranges from like a day of easy fix all the way to a process that's going to take a year. Well, either way, that's so cool. And that success story, one, was amazing. Thank you. I feel like that's because, you know, you put pa- like you put passion into it. You put work into it or like something that they love. Mm-hmm. And then with purpose, I feel like, because trust can be, it, trust is hard, like is a long thing to fix, mm-hmm. but it is fixable. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's a, like, the, not step by step, but there is, there's a way to get to it. I feel like if a company doesn't have purpose, that's much of a, like, that's a really deep issue to solve. Mm-hmm. Especially, like, you know, millennials, that generation that really wants purpose and have that drive for it. Mm-hmm. The problem is with them, it's like, they kind of want it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. <laughs> and this, and it, you know, you can't have it now. You can't mm-hmm. have it now. So it, do does a company have to go through that? Like, you can't have purpose now. You can have purpose later. And then with this, you know, with Generation Z, this new generation, we're starting to enter the workforce. Mm-hmm. What Do you see any patterns with this new place that we need to fix problems now? Or we need certain requirements now? Yeah, yeah. So one of the interesting things is is about millennials is that they, they, they they've grown up in a world of technology of instant everything. Right? You can before every other generation had to like go and walk to Blockbuster and get a movie. Right? And our generation, um, and especially Generation Z, never grew up in a world where something wasn't there at the touch of a button. And so there are different expectations that generations have around how instant things are are going to happen. And that's an interesting. Uh, challenge for you know many times it's it's Gen X or millennial or uh, baby boomer generations that are in, in leadership of companies right okay. and it's now uh, entry level workers their kids age that are coming into the workplace and so it's a it's quite a bit of a generational gap between sort of the people making the decisions and a majority of the entry level positions um, and so I think it's I think it's something that that the solution there is probably coming at it from both sides it's yeah. is 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 baby boomer Gen Xers realizing that the world is changing and if they want to be highly competitive and get the best talent of the new generation, that there's some things they're gonna have to sort of disrupt themselves in their own way of doing things and move maybe a little bit faster than has been comfortable before. And then on the millennial Gen um, Gen Z side, it's this realization that um, uh, the workplace doesn't necessarily move as fast as consumer technology does and everything is is, is instant. And while uh, an expectation of a, of a better world being there, it's many times maybe not, not realistic for to demand that that 
happened today or that, you know, I've been working for three months. How have I not gotten a promotion? It's like, well, that's not necessarily how most workforces work. Maybe they should operate like that. Uh, but the reality is that that's not where we're at. So what can we do to, to move the world toward that more aspirational, better reality while still being um, um, cognizant of, of how it is today? Yeah, I feel like that's so much like uh, self-awareness and empathy on both sides yeah. in order for it to work, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to, you know, bigger things like, you know, trust and purpose. Yep. But and the important thing is that those those generations are talking, right, in a productive way because if the conversation, the discussion doesn't even happen, neither side even realizes what they could be doing to help fix the problem. Yeah. Do you think that that's becoming more of an issue that like, you know, baby boomers or like uh, Y, Generation Y, or mm-hmm. is it X? Gen Xers. Yeah, yep. Gen Xers. Or do you think they're not really talking to millennials and to Gen Zers as much? Because I know we have this thing of like, why are millennials killing like the diamond industry or random, random things? Mm-hmm. And there's a disconnect of, well, here's the reason why. Mm-hmm. And it, there's this, this struggle, this gap. Do you think we're closing the gap or do you think it's getting worse? Interesting. Um, so in many ways, the world is changing faster than ever before. And so new generations are growing up in a vastly different world, increasingly so than other generations. Um, and so in, in some ways, I think that that gap uh, is somewhat inherently, if sort of change and innovation keeps accelerating, I think fundamentally that that gap has the risk of increasing over time hopefully though um, there's folks like us or or other folks that out there that are trying to help that feedback loop happen and sort of bring up the voice of those um, more entry-level folks individual contributors or the, the ones farthest away from a organizational hierarchy from leadership making decisions to bring their voice and elevate their voice in a clear way to leadership and then be able to help leadership know how to communicate with those and sort of start having that flywheel actually start to happen and so so I, I think sort of the, the trends might make it so that um, that challenge might get harder, but hopefully uh, technology and, and increasing maturity and leadership uh, toward listening can counteract against those trends and, and actually help it improve. But yeah. um, boy, I, I sure hope uh, it, it improves over time rather than, than, yeah. than, than not. That's so cool because like what's going to happen is is like you know once you get those conversations flowing on any level, mm-hmm. you know you're gonna you're gonna start seeing like really cool ideas come up and disruption, mm-hmm. and you're gonna see like everything like newly reinventing itself. Yeah. Like I know right now because you know my dad's in the educational system. Mm-hmm. There's already been like bubbling up of like this is. Really <laughs> like this mm-hmm. is really dumb. We should change some of these things. Yeah. And slowly, in in a couple years, it's going to dramatically change. Like yeah. I feel like sometimes, and I don't know if you have this insight. Like sometimes a whole system has to collapse and then rebuild itself. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if that's even smart for like a company and their entire workforce of like, no, we have to feel really bad and then build ourselves up from the ground up. Sure. Yeah. The point is, you know, avoid uh, your con- your your <laughs> company. Um, uh, you know, for example, we, we switched from Bluebridge to Amplify, sort of the first company that we started um, with, with two other co-founders. Bluebridge evolved to, to Amplify, and there was a ton of organizational change that happened during the transition. And I was so busy with selling the two businesses um, at the same time of having my normal job that um, I didn't really change manage super well throughout that transition. And our engagement score um, in terms of sort of the, the cultural health or the employee engagement at, at Blue Ridge slash Amplify, like we went down from like one of the most engaging, uh, one of the most engaged cultures that the assessment had ever surveyed and measured to, to like really, not really poor. And so for me, it was this realization that um, you can ruin your culture overnight, literally in the span of a couple of months if you're not actively watching it. Um, and what you want to avoid is as a leader is hitting 
sort of a, a roadblock like that really hard head on and, and the company um, um, you know disappearing because of that what you want to do is get ahead of those blind spots get ahead of those issues so that you can avoid them and it's just it's a bruise instead of um, your arm getting chopped off right to, to yeah. use a really uh, ridiculous extreme example no of course. Um, and so so I, I do think that if you're sort of continually monitoring it and measuring it then um, you don't have to wait for the full thing to fall apart before you can start reinventing yourself so like how do you how do you get ahead of that curve how do you spot things before they happen yeah you have really continual feedback from your team that's really anonymous and and by amplify right uh, or, <laughs> or, or another tool like that right but but I mean I'm sort of you know it's kind of see a nail and I, I hammer it into the wall because it's what we do but um, but I think it is having a, kind of a continual touch and pulse into the culture and into employee engagement making sure that instead of measuring it annually or every two years you're doing it quarterly um, or, or really frequently so that you can get ahead of those issues before people leave instead of finding out where people are leaving at the exit interview you know find out why people might leave fix the problem so they never leave in the first place yeah, and I, you know, I love that, especially when you were that proactive and that helpful. I mean, honestly, a culture sounds much like a child. You gotta take care of it constantly, make sure it's doing well, or else it might get, you might get sick, it might crawl off somewhere. Yeah, you that's know? right. And, and the crazy part is that we've had, we have that for every side of the business. Like we, as leaders, we have and managers, we have metrics uh, on like sales, productivity, and 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 customer health, and satisfaction, and profit, and cash flow, and we monitor those things not annually, not quarterly, but like we monitor them in real time because they matter. Yet that level of rigor of measurement and, and sensing and measurement hasn't really gotten operationalized for the people, culture, engagement side of the house, which is so important. And so why are we not applying that same rigor that we're applying to every other business metric to the people and culture and engagement side of the house? Yeah. Honestly, I feel like it's because there was a sh- like a while back there was a shift of you know let's take care of our people and then we started to turn to money and then let's take care of money and then after a while you had this whole group of people that were like going off the going off the deep and going I can just get rid of my employees it doesn't matter that much and that huge shift created that that big gap of you know that personal connection with your boss or the personal connection with your employees because you know you have to put your head down now and you have to work now. And if you don't, if you don't make your quota, if you don't, you know, live to these expectations of you on a daily basis, you're done. Yeah. The interesting trend um, that I think is positive is is um, we, we're in the most competitive talent market that we've seen. Like it's just it's super easy to get a job, much more so than it has been in in, in pre- since 2009 and sort of the, the financial crisis. The the t- amount of time to fill a position has gone up from like 15 days to like 35, which is like a record. Which means that. Yeah there are lots of jobs out there, which means that people can freely go and get another job. And so turnover, voluntary turnover, people leaving and going to a better job is at its highest um, also in a while. And so when you look at those things, all of a sudden leaders are now saying, oh boy, like we've really got to invest into our culture and into engaging environments because um, we're gonna lose people and it's really hard to find good people to replace them. And not only that, but there's websites like glassdoor.com, right, that put employer brand and how they how leaders and companies treat employees publicly available like it's like a public review site that employees can go to and post reviews about the company and so you know savvy talents now when they're looking for a job they go to glassdoor.com and they will only apply to places that are highly ranked and so when you're not an engaging environment to culture in the past you could sort of hide that and that not be known now it's like publicly available on the internet and so it's it's giving leaders a lot more reasons to care about this that's so cool i didn't know those that existed that yeah. sounds 
honestly, that if that's like such an eye opener for everyone, like that's going to disrupt so many systems. It is. And it so it's the same already. thing. It's the same thing that social media did to customer service, right? You could sort of really harm customers and treat them poorly before sort of the internet and social media because you know you can only tell two or three people about a poor experience and all of a sudden social media comes up and then you can tell hundreds and thousands of your friends and followers about a bad experience with a brand and all of a sudden brands are like oh like this is really bad for our reputation so we better actually start delivering good customer service and so this transparent visibility of customer service online created an emphasis for brands to care more about customer service and the same thing is happening for employees which is this visible transparent online employee experience rating websites are, are causing leaders to really pay more, a lot more attention. So I think that's a really positive thing. Uh, transparency, I think, is is um, is generally good. No, transparency, especially on that level, is a beautiful thing. It then, is. Because, you know, if you only, if people only work for the companies that are amazing mm-hmm. to their people, I mean, everything else is going to change because every company is going to go, oh, like, oh, cuss, we have to be like them. Yeah. So then it's going to have this huge, like, again, positive impact mm-hmm. of everyone actually wanting to go to work. Mm-hmm. And everyone loving their job and everyone loving their employees and their mm-hmm. bosses. They probably don't even call them bosses at this point. Probably, like, you know, their leaders or tribe yeah. members, sure. which I've heard once or twice. <laughs> sure. That's, that's incredible. And I'm, we're running out of time because I know you got to get going. Where can people find you? Sure. Uh, so I'm on Twitter, uh, Santiago, J-A-R-A, and, uh, and LinkedIn as well. So those are two great places uh, to connect. All right. Thank you. Again, thank you so much for, having, for being on my podcast. It means the world to me and your insight is incredible and I hope people got as much from it as I did. Awesome. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. Hey guys, I really hope you enjoyed that conversation. If you like what we're doing, please help us grow by sharing our content. And if you have any recommendation for future guests, please email me at agwetcher at gmail.com.